0: Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Fashion. and this week, I'm joined here by the one and only
1: Dwayne. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to redo that intro. You don't like that one? The one and only Futsal King. <laughs> Get out of here. Futsal King. All futsal right, Academy whatever. coming 2024. So, is that is that a progression from the right back academy? No, it's still going to be. You still got the right back academy. You know, like, futsal clubs... Are like branches off of their regular clubs just for yeah. futsal we're just going to focus on futsal sure, right back academy is still open for business That one's
0: still open you're still looking for recruits
1: i mean I, you can come to the right back academy complain the futsal academy you could possibly transition back to a striker all you right score okay all right you might be I a mean, better striker you never
0: know man you might be you might be able to find yourself some new recruits very soon in the right back academy <laughs>
1: Oh, we're, I got, a, I got some prospects out there. I mean, it's high school season. It's coming up. So there's going to be some prospects. You're going to be doing some community outreach for the Learning academy. We got flyers coming out. <laughs> I'm selling t-shirts at the, uh, at the, uh, high school scrimmages tomorrow. There you go,
0: man. That's good. So, yeah. So high school season has started officially. Um, so I'm excited. I mean, first week at Odessa, record-breaking numbers at tryouts. Record-breaking. I mean, we were all set. We've been setting records. The both of us have been setting records. I mean, well, because you had record-breaking numbers at your football tournament, right? Yeah, I heard it went well. I heard it went well too. Oh. Um, you know, Ooh. I
1: I got I got you know I got some sources that have been. uh I got a lot of compliments i mean it went well it went smooth i mean yeah. what's what are the things you look for in a tournament right on time officials ball yep. yep. nets yep bathrooms yep clean bathrooms <laughs> i don't know i i didn't get that much that detailed of a report so i don't know I mean, I mean, parking probably was tough but hey parking is always tough you yeah. did not have to pay to park right. food trucks coffee concession stands Wow. and we checked the boxes. The rest were happy they got fed. <laughs> yeah? You guys give did you guys give uh
0: the the referee some some
1: hydration materials too or no? Uh no. Nah, I gave them I was responsible for lunch. I gave them some uh Chick-fil-A, chips, cookies. Cookies were whew, man. Yeah. Those Chick-fil-A cookies? I know you don't like Chick-fil-A. Cookies. I just don't eat, I just don't eat meat, so it's kind of pointless for me to go there. <laughs> But, yeah, if you go there and get some cookies, they're good. And and the chips. And the chips. Mm, Okay, fair enough. Um, Those are are very good. Um, And then Sunday we have Wawa. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with Wawa, Turkey Sub. We don't do ham, no pork. Turkey Sub, and, I mean, hey, referees were happy. I was happy. Fans were happy. Uh, The paper towels were not happy. Kids spilling water dude kids spilled water every five minutes on the court it's like oh Come my on. goodness but I do want to shout out to the coaches i think it was chris downer and dennison from dennison futsal academy There's a big spill on the court we had to delay a game three minutes and shout out to them just bringing it into action we were all on our kids knees wiping that nice <laughs> wiping that court up because i was like we cannot fall back on time i said like, we could start to watch ourselves but we cannot yeah, you can't afford to fall back because you'll be you'll never get that back. We'll never get that back. I mean the indoor game was pushed back 45 minutes just from cleanup for two courts. Yeah. So nah, shout out to everybody, shout out to Jeremy count down for 24 hours, you know, 12 DJ. hours on Saturday, almost 12 hours on Sunday, the DJ. Yeah. Shout out to Alex for the shirts. I feel like I just won an award or something. <laughs> Imperial graphics. Imperial graphics. Shout out to my hood. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how it feels, man. Just shout out to everybody. No, it was a great event. Um, good, man. Without a lot of people. So it was good. You know, shout out to the refs. Shout out to Kyle Razowitz. I mean, everybody that had a piece of the puzzle. Part-timers at King County. The coaches for coaching. Cool. Players for playing.
0: Good stuff, man.
1: The ball for going in the net. <laughs> I mean, listen, we only have one zero-zero game. Yeah. Yeah. And I might have been a part of the other two low scoring games, a one zero game and a 1 1 game, but there was a lot of goals being scored. Good. So, do you uh, want? Yeah, I mean, futsal, you don't really expect any like low scoring games, but there was a zero-zero. 0. the youth level. Now the rep <laughs> turned in the scorecard. The scorecard we're mm-hmm. like, uh, you want to put the score down? He was like, oh, it was <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so that's good. Um, yeah, good stuff. Good. Good end of the winter to a certain extent, right? Like with and Yeah, we're officially transitioned back outdoors. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, high school, high school seasons have started across the across the state. Um hopefully coaches are treating their players correctly. Um not trying to <laughs> not trying to burn them down. Um yeah, I've always had a thing. Like this is this has been the first preseason, I think, that I've that I've incorporated more strength and conditioning things more endurance um and i feel like today for example is a day where i mean luckily it's going to rain so it kind of helps works out but today where the players at, at odessa need a break they're they're tired they're a little sore and we got scrimmages tired. so we're gonna give them gonna give them a day off well not a day really off go so we're gonna days. do some team building yeah man four days running a lot two-hour practices
1: Wow. Excellence. You're trying to go for excellence. You're trying to be a champion. Well,
0: that's why today we're gonna to do a recovery day slash team building, right? Still gonna get something out of the day. There's no C in team building. Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do a we're gonna do a team building activity as we get prepared for tomorrow. So it'll be a prep day for tomorrow. There's no C in team building. We're doing a prep day, man. Periodization. We're doing a prep day. We went <laughs> high yesterday.
1: Peaked, peaked. A little rest day, recovery today. Ready to go tomorrow. You know, there's a scene. Champions, um, yeah. There's a no scene recovery or periodization. There is a there is a scene recovery. <laughs> there's it's no scene a... periodization of a team building? That's uh, all right. Yeah, I can um, but yeah. So it we?
0: Are we good? I'm excited. Um Yeah, we almost over. We have over 30 players out of Dessa this year. Um, and still no no senior class. So that's it's it's good numbers. Um, so I have a freshman team next year. Maybe, maybe. I have to make cuts. No, no, I like to make sure that players have the opportunity to play and experience it. Right, like that. We talked about this yesterday: is expectations and it's understanding that this idea of tryouts has this like negative connotation of like you're gonna be you either good enough or you get cut. When I haven't been able to give it, I haven't given you the opportunity to 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 learn. Right, like we should be. If not, if they don't learn it. If they don't, they don't give. If they're not given the opportunity as a freshman, for example, to come in and learn something they want to learn, where else are they going to learn it? The majority of them at this point have aged out of recreational soccer, so they're just like, all right, well, soccer is no longer a thing for you, so goodbye. Right, like, I think the point of us is to provide opportunities for players that want to be there. So
1: yeah,
0: so as long as they want to be there, we will make an effort to. To make sure we get them the right coaching and and the environment that they need to to learn
1: there you go Um, i'm not a high school coach (laughs) um
0: we are doing an interview today which is fitting for what happened for what was saturday or this past weekend which was the opening of mls weekend dude yeah i was there it was cold uh left nice after the seats left after the 65th minute i think after the comeback was complete so right before the f- uh watch the third goal and then left before the fourth goal um so but so our interview today is with uh jp del camera we got to interview him at the convention Thanks was
1: you remember that day i do remember that day you caught him in the bathroom Called him in the bathroom, told us to meet us there, went to the, the coach's social. Huh? Told him to meet it. No, he, we, he told us to meet up. He told us to meet us there at like 615 back at our booth. Yeah. We went to the coach's social. Yeah. Um, rushed through that. Yeah. Came back, set everything up, sat there for 15 minutes. Was like, man, this guy just stood us up.
0: <laughs> uh, he showed up, but he, he came through. He came through and gave us a fantastic interview. Um, and I, and I talk about it at the beginning of the, 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 the interview, like, this is one of the times where I was legitimately, like, intimidated by the person I was interviewing.
1: Um, yeah, JP Delecamore. Yeah.
0: Big time. So, uh, we'll listen to that now doing rarely do I, uh, I usually, I, I get a little nervous when we, when we interview people, um, when we have guests on, um, I do think. In this scenario I'm I'm slightly intimidated uh just a little bit
1: I mean it's a familiar voice right I mean if you if you're a staple you watch Philadelphia Union games and I'm, I'm kind of hinting to who we have it's a it's a voice that's very familiar if you oh. watch the World Cup if you watch uh. US women's soccer
0: uh, if you just watch soccer if you watch, watch soccer
2: see now I'm intimidated <laughs> see uh JP Della camera is here uh JP how are you I'm great Uh, convention is fantastic. I'm, I'm just starting to see a bunch of old faces, you know, familiar faces from, from the past, which is always good. It's like a social thing for me. And it's great to see so many, so many people. And I see a lot of union fans here just did a session with Jim Curtin for an hour and a lot of union jerseys and union shirts that I saw people, season ticket holders. So it's like being home. You're talking to one right here. So perfect season ticket holder.
1: Yeah, I'm going to be a season ticket holder this year. I think. Yeah, so that'll be. He he's buying season tickets for another reason. You know, he heard the news. Um, unfortunately, you're no longer going to be calling the Union Uh, games on a regular basis. So, you know, there's no point of him staying home uh, anymore. Yeah, there's no point in staying home at this point. I'm going to go to the game. It's
2: better at the stadium anyway. You know, the experience, right? The live experience. I mean, they always say that about hockey as as the ultimate game, and I and I agree with that because I broadcast it too. But to be in the stands for a hockey game, like a Stanley Cup playoff game, but. When you have 18,000, uh, at Subaru park in a playoff game, that atmosphere is crazy. Yeah. You know, it's as crazy as, as any place, anywhere, any sport. And so you can watch it on TV. That's great. But if you could be there in person, even greater, even better.
0: Um, all right, JP. Let's uh, let's start off with uh, let's start off with women's soccer first. Uh, UWS is a league that we're a part of as well, and, and you've been a part of it from almost from the beginning, right? Uh,
2: 2018 is when we started yeah.
0: with the kinetic infusion. Uh, so, tell us about that experience and what brought you or what drew you into the league.
2: Uh, initially, Shep Messing and I wanted to run our own team but we we're both broadcasters and we thought nobody's going to have us run a team. So we we're looking for opportunities. Uh, UWS seemed like a viable thing, uh, budget wise, uh, concept wise, it was in our area. And so we, we set out to do that, to, to have our own team. And then as we were looking for a place to put it, a stadium to put it, we ran into a group FSA where they owned a facility and they had always thought about running a team, but didn't have somebody to run it. So it was a perfect place for a marriage between the two of us. They financed it, and then Shep and I ran it. Awesome.
0: And so, how how has been? How's that experience been so far?
2: We've done five years, you know, including COVID. Made the playoffs every year. Got to a final one year, which was our second year, as I remember. Got to a final. Uh, extremely rewarding, you know. I mean, you're in it for a lot of reasons. A lot of reasons, you know. The opportunities for women, you know, first of all, and and their growth and helping them either get from high school to college or college to pro, or just have a good experience. Right. Uh, but everybody I think wants to win as well. And so we were all jacked when we were going to that (laughs) playoff and then getting to the final and, you know, lost to a better team on that day. I mean, wasn't even a close game. Uh, had we finished chances, maybe early, maybe something changes, but that was a a fair result on that day. Um,
0: broadcasting. Um, the reason why I brought up the fact that I was slightly intimidated is because a long time ago when I was, uh, when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life, I still don't really understand, really don't, but, uh, one of the, one of the paths that I, uh, for a period of time decided to try to pursue was, was broadcasting. Uh, I, I enjoyed being behind a microphone. Uh, radio was, 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 was a calling for a little bit. Um, and TV broadcasting for a brief period of time was something that I was trying to do. Um, how did you get started in it?
2: Uh, I wanted to be a hockey announcer, NHL announcer. That's how I started. I grew up in Boston in the days where the Boston Bruins were like, you know, the flyers of the old days, the broad street bullies where they were winning all the time and selling out and high TV ratings. So I always wanted to do that. So I did minor league hockey for about 10 years, never got a break, uh, decided to go with an indoor soccer opportunity that led to outdoor soccer opportunities. And this is what I tell future broadcasters, when they think about like giving up, Um, when I stopped looking for an NHL job, I got one years later. (laughs) The call came to me. It was somebody that I knew, it helps to know people. Otherwise I wasn't doing hockey, so there was no reason to call me, but I filled in for somebody in Atlanta. They liked what I did. A Couple of years later, their guy left and they called me. And so I thought I chased that dream for so many years, never got it. And then when I stopped chasing it, I did. So I wouldn't, you know, if you've got talent, if you've got ability uh, and you hit a couple of setbacks, you know, if you believe in yourself and think that things can go your way, keep it up.
0: The voice of the union for for such a long time. Since the inception. Yeah. yeah. 13. 13. 13 years how 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 is that growth we talk about the philadelphia union quite a bit we've we've interviewed um alex carrington who's one of the the group sales managers for the for the philadelphia union and he's been there for a long time as well and just the growth of the of the of the team and you've seen it from, you've, yeah. you've, you've 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 seen the you've seen the growth on the field and uh, what what's what's that growth like and what's it like to ultimately get the chance to call some 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 more more some better better results as as the years have gone right
2: yeah just thinking about it like over the years i mean we had some bad teams you know uh when when they made the playoffs initially i think it was the second year maybe they made the playoffs Mm -hmm. and then the next year they blew it up you know there was no plan they changed more than half of the roster Uh, under jim Curtin. we've seen not only growth but consistency i think that Years ago, people criticized the team unfairly, saying that they didn't spend money. They did spend money. They didn't just, they didn't spend foolish money and they didn't spend the money, still don't spend the money that Atlanta United spends or Toronto FC spends. But who's been a better team over the last four or five years? Yeah. It's Philadelphia. And the biggest change that I've seen is that before when people would say things about the union, they don't want to spend, they don't want to put big money out. They just want to compete. They don't care about titles. Now everybody wants to be like Philadelphia. Yeah. Because here's Atlanta. They won an MLS Cup. Then they don't make the playoffs. You know? They've never recovered since then. No. They, they, right now, I think Atlanta, great ownership. You know, they've got management, great fans. They've got so many great things, but they don't right now have a culture or a system or anything that's in place they're inconsistent, you know, what's their identity? Whereas with the Philadelphia union, they definitely have an identity and a consistency. Is
0: there, is there, how is that from a broadcasting perspective? The, the consistency of uh, developing that identity, right? I feel like every, every broadcaster, every announcer has their own spin and their own way of doing that. How did you develop that and what, you know, Have you changed along the way and have you just kind of found your niche and just kind of stay with it?
2: No, I I think I've always been the same, but I think that anybody that's broadcasting for a team, name the team, name the league, name the sport, doesn't matter. uh, You want your team to do well, right? Because selfishly, the better your team does, the more people come to the games the more they listen on the radio, the more they watch you on TV, you know, the more popular you can become. So from a selfish standpoint, it helps you if your team is successful. You know, if you're working for a team and 10 years in a row, you're not in the playoffs, it's still a great job. Yeah. I mean, I've worked for teams that, I mean, Atlanta, five years, I think we made the playoffs once and we, we were swept in four by the Rangers, right? But some of the best years of my life were with the Atlanta Thrashers. And so it really doesn't matter deep down, but I do know the more successful you are, the better. And when Jacob Glessner scored that goal two years ago, and there's 18,000 there, and the the decibel level is at an incredible high, that's different calling that goal than if there were 7,000 people there yeah. five years ago or six years ago or in a meaningless game. That goal at that time, and Jim Curtin agreed with it in, in the last session that we did, was the biggest goal at that time in the history of the Philadelphia Union. And so to have it, have everything, it was a perfect moment, right? Because 18,000, it's a game winner, it's against your rival, you lose and you're out. Everything clicked.
0: Um, let's switch gears to the US Women's National Team, a team that you've gotten to, to, to do calls for a long time. Um, where have you seen that growth, and where have you seen the growth of women's soccer in general? Uh, you got to call the Copa, the Copa America Femenina, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. Um, and and even that tournament's grown tremendously, and South American soccer's grown tremendously. I'm from Argentina, so for. For me, watching watching that in the United States was uh, was yep. a moment of pride, considering where Argentinian soccer was at the women's level. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, uh, so where it was called those games. Yeah, I yeah, remember. Where <laughs> where, uh, where have you seen where have you seen that growth, and where do you think it's
2: going? Uh, the growth has been amazing. If you go back to, I mean, when they won it in 1991, they didn't even call it a World Cup. It was called, I want to say, the World Championship. Yeah. Um, I wasn't doing those games, but. Nobody really knew about it. It was a secret, you know. Very few people greeted them at the airport, you know. And you fast forward to even 2019, where the U.S. in France felt like the home team. Yeah. Even in the game against France, there was loud cheering when the U.S. scored. Um, that's huge, you know. They have so many fans all over the place. The the things I've noticed about the women's game is that you know it does go in cycles. So when I grew grew up watching them it was mia ham it was christine Lilly, it was brandy it was julie uh you know people that we called on a first name basis and you wondered like how could anybody replace them and then abby wambach comes along you know and how do you replace abby wambach well here's this kid alex morgan who's 19 and now alex is like 32 you know well who's sophia smith and who's cat macario like we just keep developing them so i think that there's you know it's not really rebuilding or retooling. It, it just kind of happens, right? Like not everybody gets old or older at the same time. And so you haven't had to do a rebuild, I would say. And I don't know if that day will, will ever come. I, I don't know because they keep bringing in all these new players. So I think they're trying to keep it fresh and there's pressure on them again. Nobody's ever won three straight yeah. Women's World Cups. Could they do it? They absolutely could but i got to tell you there's some other terrific teams out there and and an early name to throw out as a favorite has to be england yeah yes
0: well coming off of the euro yeah. that's yeah. no secret i mean yeah, I'm, just... I'm
2: not breaking news yeah. <laughs> uh, they're excellent they're yeah. excellent and germany's good yeah uh, netherlands I, I know they had some injuries but netherlands are good sweden yeah. brazil under brazil, pia yeah, under PIA. You know, yeah. There's some good teams out there. Yeah. Canada, can't forget Canada. Yeah. Here's
1: a sneak here's a sneak peek in the next year, right? Yeah. yeah here's a right. sneak peek in who to who to watch. Um what's it
0: like to travel and to, to be able to see all these places?
1: And enjoy what you do at the same time.
2: Travel is, is interesting. Um so let me take you to the World Cup in in Qatar. It was the the easiest travel that I've ever had other than a 14 hour flight to Doha, (laughs) but but once there, you're like 30 minutes away from each stadium, maybe 40 minutes, right? There wasn't a lot of traffic. We would find our driver when the game was over. And unless we had the late game, which I think was at 10 o'clock, their time, uh, we'd be back in our hotel at like nine 30 at night. So you could prepare for the next game. When I did the 2006 world cup in Germany, we did not have a host hotel, our group anyway and so we had 6 games in 6 nights in 6 different cities no flying we were taking a train or a car and because we had no host hotel whatever we had two suitcases yeah. pack them up games over pack them up unpack pack them up where is here you know we had a nice corporate apartment in a hotel you unpack once and, and then you packed up the day you left so from that standpoint you know that's from one side of the spectrum to the other, from uh, grueling travel, which Germany was during that stretch, to something like like Qatar. We'll never see that again, though, because it'll never be in a country that size again, yeah. first of all. you know, And we may see a trend now where two countries hosted, like yeah. with the Women's World Cup, right? Australia could have done it on their own, so could New Zealand, yeah. but better to have them both, probably for financial reasons. And I think you'll see probably a lot Of the next World Cup bids will come from and including us, right? Yeah. USA, Mexico, Canada. Yeah. yeah, I think you'll see that. I think you'll see European nations and South American nations coming together to say, let's do this as two countries or three. And especially if they're expanding it to 40 teams. teams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, would you say, like, when you were in Germany, your six days or six nights and six games, what's the preparation like in, in, um, on those nights instead of like a you're at a central hotel at Doha. Yeah. So are you like reading notes on the road? Are you like watching film? Like, what is that like?
2: Well, you're, you're not watching video because there's no time and there's no, there's really no internet connection. Like you're in a car, you know, right. you're in a big van. So um, it is it is different. You know, it's a different prep, I would say. But, but the funnier part about doing the six games and six nights, I was fine doing six games and six nights. But on the seventh day, <laughs> I was crap. You know what I mean? Because it's like, now, what do you do? You're on that yeah. adrenaline. You know, it's like if you're a player and you play seven straight days or train seven straight days, now you take two days off. Those two days, you're like, you're crashing, right. you know? Uh, but the, the Doha thing was was good because I think we had a few days off during the tournament. But For the most part, it was probably like seven games I did over a 10 day or something like that. Uh, but far less taxing on your body. And you could watch a lot of, videotape because you're right back in your hotel
0: right what was the experience like from a from a fan perspective uh when you when you got to from what you got to see from the people that went to Qatar for the for this world Cup? i, did,
2: I didn't get to go to the the fan centers yeah. that were, they were not called fan centers what fan fest Fan fest, maybe um so i, I didn't go in there because yeah. i was working yeah uh, i did go to one game though i did go to um as a fan yeah 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 really uh, yes i did <laughs> um forgive me too many games um France, and I'm forgetting who the other team was because we, France, uh, drawn a blank. But I we did get tickets to go and to see Mbappe, like <laughs> to see <laughs> Mbappe in person when you're broadcasting is one thing, but now if you don't have to comment on what he's doing and you can actually like watch him, watch him.
1: Could you keep up with him when you were commenting?
2: <laughs> you try, <laughs> you know, like for radio, I don't know how you can because every move that he makes, right? You have to describe it. And it's hard because by the time you describe his first move, he's done his second. Yeah. By the time you try to describe his second, he's either on his third or the ball's in the net, right? <laughs>
0: so it would have been either Australia, Denmark, Tunisia, Poland, England, Morocco. It was or... later.
2: It was later in the tournament. So Morocco, nah. England. What was
0: the score? 2 nothing the Morocco game. 2-1 against England. against Poland? No, it
2: wasn't England. It was Poland, Poland. sorry. Poland, 3-1 against Poland. Thank you for reminding me because I (laughs) I have a a Polish friend who is my research guy. That's how I remember. And he was devastated. Mm -hmm. And I knew not to like make fun of him because like he took it to heart, you know what I mean? So that was the game I went to as a fan. Fox had tickets for us and I thought, as busy as I was, I thought, I got to take this opportunity. You know what I mean? I could go. So from a fan experience, it was fine. You know, it was typical, nothing, nothing I saw out of the ordinary. Um, we didn't witness anything bad. That's good. You know, speaking for myself, I didn't see anything bad in Qatar. I mean, the Grand Wall tragedy is like hard to even speak about. I I wasn't there for that, but I mean, we didn't see any, anything that was bad in Qatar. I would say shouldn't have been there. I'm not saying that it should have been, Yeah, but I'm just saying as a as somebody that was there for 3 weeks you know we were treated we were treated very well everyone spoke english food was fine transportation like we just navigated a normal day it well. normal day right yeah we navigated it well i would say
0: um what is that preparation like for 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 a game and what is the difference between doing radio versus uh television
2: uh to prep for a game everybody has their own thing um I think I prep the same way. I'd like to think I prep the same way for a World Cup game as I do a Union game, but I probably don't. I, I probably give it another 10%, maybe, because I don't know those two teams. Like I know the Union and New York Red Bulls, for example. So you'll probably spend at least another 10% on that. Uh, it's a World Cup game. So it's probably in your mind, uh, even subconsciously that it's, it's the world cup, you know, it's messy, it's Mbappe, you know, it's a different level, I would say, um, radio TV, totally different call, um, (laughs) TV for me is the, is the right thing because I like to speak less and let the pictures tell the story. And there's no reason to talk over some of the biggest moments, you know, let the crowd go, let the players celebrate, let the director cut the shots. Whereas radio, one of the toughest games I've ever had a call. Was that MLS Cup final, uh, Philadelphia and LAFC? It was. We streamed it. It's not radio. Uh, it was not on the radio station, but yeah. it was a radio call. Oh. And it was difficult because we were in a corner of the stadium, so we're not in the center of the field. We're pretty far away, like so far away that when the goalkeeper Cray Poe got hurt, you know, we couldn't tell how serious it right. was from from a distance. Um, but to have to describe everything to somebody that's sitting like on the edge of their seat and wanting to know, you know, what's going on. And, and there's a, there was a personal level for me too, because I know what these players put into it. Yeah, absolutely. I know what Jim Curtin put into it. And while I've always said, we don't think about things when, when they're going on, right? Like people will say, did you know that that game was going to be this? No. Did I know that? 30 years later, people would be talking about this one game. No, how do you know that, right? Um, So usually when a game is over, somebody will ask you, is that the greatest game you've ever seen? And I'll say, it's too early. You know, like maybe, but I don't know, right? Do you rewatch the game? No, I used to. Um, I used to, but then I did so many games that it was hard (laughs) hard to I mean. But if, if there's something that somebody says, that was an amazing call, or it keeps getting replayed, I'll watch it. So like like the Glusness goal. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I've seen it, <laughs> but not not even my choice. Yeah. But somebody will Send the interview me and they will play that clip and it gives me chills when I hear it. And, and the one that I always remember was Wayne Rooney in Audi Field against uh Orlando. I wanna say. I think it was Orlando. Um, gets a game winner at the end on a long ball to Acosta. Yep. It's the greatest yep. goal I called in my MLS career. Is
0: that the same game where he also ran back and made a save on the like the
2: sliding tackle? That's the one. And, when, a I, sliding tackle. and, and yep. when I say it's the best call that I that I made in my MLS career, it's because I can remember it right now. Yeah. Clear as day. I saw his eyes. Because our press box was so low, yeah, it's, uh, not, a lo- it's not a it's not a high low. field. Yeah, yeah, it's low. He's running towards me. I see his eyes, and I know he's going to get the ball. Yeah. There's no way he's not getting that ball. Yeah, I could see it in his eyes. I didn't know what was going to happen next, but I could see that, and it happened like so quickly that all I'm doing is really reacting to it, to each move that he. If that was on radio, that would have been a much tougher call. <laughs> but that one, because I got a lot of feedback that night. So I went back and watched it a few times. And when I read a story about it, sometimes I'll, I'll go back and I'll watch it again. But I would say this to you, that MLS cup final took more out of me than any game I can remember doing. And I think it's because, you know, deep down I am a Philadelphia union person and I know how much this meant to the fans. I know how much this meant to the coach, coaching staff, ownership, players, and I felt gutted for them. I would have been okay if they lost two one, two nothing, right? Whatever you want. Regular but not, time, but not, not the anyway. way, but not, not that way. Not that way, because there was a time where, uh, even though, like I said, you're not thinking about these things during the game, but as LAFC is doing okay, you're thinking to yourself, "Hey, maybe it's not, maybe it's not the Union's day." Yeah. Right. But then when Elliott scores, you know, and then you know he scores again, and now you're like minutes away. Yeah. It's like you're thinking to yourself, "Oh my God, it's happening! It's happening! They're gonna win <laughs> MLS Cup. I Absolutely. might get a ring. Yeah. I gotta support us. I might <laughs> get a ring. You know, like it goes in your head for like Absolutely. a split yeah. second because by the time you spend another ten seconds to think about it, Gareth Bale is scoring a goal. So right. you don't really think about it, but that was a very emotional game for me, and more so because it was a radio call. If it was TV. Yeah, would have been easier, but it was radio, and it was like gut wrenching. I would say
1: what's your most so you said that the wayne rooney goal was your favorite mls goal what's your most memorable just any memory of any game that biggest like,
2: chastain's goal i would say in randy's 99? goal 99 only because it was a one-word goal call um but it still lives on sorry i was
1: only four years old
2: so you're gonna have to uh, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to sorry, go a little oh bit more God. in depth for <laughs> oh i'm so I'm, sorry I, I i apologize i apologize Dwayne. um I had set it up before. Like I said, I like to let the pictures tell the story. And I, as much as I think penalty kicks is a cruel way to go out from a broadcaster standpoint, it's like ecstasy. You know what I mean? It's, it's, that's it, right? Next kick, you win the world cup or you lose the world cup. Right? So in this case, I had set the stage where I had said, you know, if she scores, the U.S. wins. So when I said goal, I didn't say, you know, U.S. wins. I said that <laughs> later. Yeah. When the crowd died down and all that. And people said to me, what did you do when it was all that celebration? And Why weren't you talking? I said, I was watching it like a fan. Yeah. Like time stood still. Like I can still see the confetti flying and, and the joy on people's faces. Like that's, it's, it's my most memorable goal, I would say. And it was a penalty kick and it was one word. Right. So that's why they say less is best.
1: Yeah. Right. What's your, what's your favorite, I guess, what's the I guess best stadium you've ever called a game in? I mean, I know you said Audi Field was like lower, that you're yeah, closer that was to, but I think what's the best stadium? That's a
2: tough one, because I think if I told you... It's uh, Subaru Park, right? Yes, <laughs> Subaru <laughs> Park, let's go down. Yeah, let's go down. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's We're done. But I want to tell you a story, because I don't know how much time we have. No, and we have it, as much time as you have. the first guys that have heard this, because you talked about being intimidated. Yeah. right at the start, right? So I'm not dropping names, but I probably interviewed Pele three times, right? In my life. And so sorry to see that he passed away last week. But the most intimidated I ever was, doing a broadcast, I was told myself and Shep Messing were gonna interview him before New York Cosmos game. And we were gonna tape it. And I could see people pressed up against the glass of the press box that were watching this. And Pele was not in good health, so. I think I had one arm around him, maybe Shep had an arm around him, and it was going to be like a three minute interview. And I thought to myself, you know, his English is not good. He understands, but, yeah. you know, I got to make sure the questions are okay. But I thought to myself, I can't screw this up. I, I don't want to say to Pele, like, if I ended it and I flubbed the words, like going a break, I got to tell him we got to do it all over again, <laughs> you know? So to me, that was the most pressure I ever felt doing an interview because i thought it's not live but i have one shot at this and he was such a gracious man and like so many people loved them you know, so beloved uh around the world uh, we probably knew this day was coming you know yeah. at, at some point we wish it wasn't That's now yeah. but And and he's before your time, too, if you were four years old. I I actually have on some Pele pants. You do? Okay, that's good. I actually have Um, a Union
1: shirt on underneath this. I just thought about that. That's
0: (laughs) good. So you you brought something up because I was, so um, I got to see, um, I got to see Argentina play against Jamaica at the Red Bull Stadium right before before the World Cup. Andre Blake played, right? Yeah. In that game. Yep. 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 Um, And this is my first time uh, seeing Messi live in a stadium. Um And I was with my dad, and it was somewhat of an emotional moment because he got to watch Maradona play at Boca Juniors through through 1982 and and everything else. And and I asked my dad, you know, have you, you know, when? Because I what I saw was almost hard to explain the the fandom for oh, yeah. for one person, oh yeah, an entire stadium for basically one person. So I asked him if it was the same thing. Was was that what Pele was from a from a US perspective? Do you think in in his e I mean, I know I saw a lot of people um that that I that I grew up with coaching that have thanked Pele for for basically putting the US on a, on the yeah, map to a second certain, extent, certain did. extent from a soccer standpoint, but do you think that's that was his lasting that's one of his legacies from a from a united states perspective was the fact that he brought
2: without a doubt because a lot of people associate him with new york cosmos when realistically he was in all those world cups for brazil even as a 17 year old right uh so many years with santos i mean that that was really his club right so uh, Pele's mark in the game was not comparable to anyone else i think I hate to hear the comparisons like in all sports because you're comparing different eras, right? I mean, for me, Messi is the greatest of the modern era and Pelé is the greatest of the previous era or eras, right? Uh, Some people think, you know, Ronaldo, Messi. um, uh, Pelé, Maradona. uh, Johan Cruyff was a terrific player. Georgie Best was a terrific player. Uh, So many great players in our history, right? But I think Pelé... On his own, because I think he was the first guy that was the one name, right? He was the first guy that you would say set the trend Pele, right? You didn't just say Maradona. Yeah. Diego Maradona, right? You still say Lionel Messi. Yeah. You just said Pele. And I know it's Brazilian, but but
0: but there's something to be said about the guy. Yeah.
2: He's the guy. You know, what do they call Michael Jordan? Jordan. Michael. Michael. Right? Uh That's one really, word, yeah. My, that makes. That if, makes you're, if you go by one word, <laughs>
1: it's you're, you're, good. you made it. You one made name, it in life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So well, I guess if we call you GP, JP, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I was, I was talking about
2: those guys or or women. You know, yeah. when Mia <laughs> Ham played, there was one Mia. Yeah. Was well, one Abby, You know. Yeah.
1: Well, you're getting a, an award tomorrow night, so I think it's fitting. You know, one word, JP. I mean, it kind of sums up. It's a it's a career of excellence award. So congratulations Thank on you. that. I think you deserve, I mean, hey, JP, especially in this area with the Philadelphia Union, everything you've done with the Union, I think you deserve, you know, one name. And I hope that, you know, the Union do honor you eventually, you know, put you in that Hall of Fame next, next to latou You deserve it.
2: That would be so nice. um They've already honored me, gave me a supportership ring and a jersey with my name on it, 13 seasons. um The ovation that the fans gave me in that last game when they asked me to bang the drum like those are moments you don't forget.
1: I'm sure they'll ask you to come bang the drum another time too, yeah. to start a game. So
2: I gotta, I gotta do better. I, I think I did all right. Uh, my daughters were impressed with my form, but you could always do better.
1: He's gonna be doing uh, strength training with the uh, fusion. Yeah, you, <laughs> you can always do better, right? You
2: can always do better.
1: Well,
0: uh, JP, we wanna thank you so much for your time. It's been my an pleasure. absolute honor um, to have you on. I, uh, I, I, I do. There are times where I I watch games, um, and I'll stick on just because I like listening to your voice. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, Dwayne, Um, I have I have something I I think you're you will hopefully understand and um and relate to, and may hopefully agree with me. So I was at the Union game. Dupe. Nope. No, and the first half, in the first half, there might have been probably close to seven offsides called on the Philadelphia Union. I'm trying to go and, forward, and where my seats are, I am in the first half. The Philadelphia Union try to score by the on goal that I'm closest to. Yeah. So at one point, people were getting really upset because the referee, because there was an offside call and the ref, the AR racist flag, and. The entire stadium, as is apparently common in Philadelphia um, sports, they started ref- they started chanting "Ref, you suck." Oh, yeah, ref- they love that. To my left were three, probably ten-year-old boys, um, in the section next to us, who, who began following that chant. And then at another another call that was not going the Philadelphia Union's favor, kind of started to chant on their own the idea of "refuse suck, refuse suck." And i i i got I got frustrated in that moment, um, and potentially not upset, but like, and I wasn't gonna like step up and be like, "Hey, little kid, don't
1: say that." Like, I wasn't gonna do that because I wasn't You're gonna even punch in the face, man. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> trying to do that. Have but, you met some? Have you met the team parents from Philly? <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, but but
0: I do think it does bring up the conversation of like this is the reason why at the youth level we end up with the problems that we have with referees because we find that acceptable and almost encouraged at the professional level to do this, and we have just taught the younger generation that then on Saturdays and Sundays in the mornings go and play youth soccer. At any level and feel like it's appropriate to do so. Why? Because when they go to the Philadelphia Union Stadium,
1: mom and dad do it. Well, all right. So here, here's here's the first part, right? Philadelphia fans are probably the most ruthless fans. Every sport die hard.
0: There's a difference, but to me, there's a difference between the idea of the folklore of like when the other team gets announced and they say whoever sucks, like there's a difference between that's that's the home. That's creating the home the home crowd atmosphere to a certain extent, because it doesn't seem to be malicious in the sense that like it continues to happen. Right. And that's ultimately your rival. The referee's not your rival. He might be. The referee's not your rival. He might be.
1: We I have, mean I think we got an think,
0: MLS referee on like we we know they don't care.
1: We know they don't care, but you can't tell the fans that because again, yeah. this is a philly thing and i'm not i don't i mean the union are really the only philly team i support and go to games you'd have to i have an idea of two people you could ask that are more philly yeah that you know that <laughs> could kind of elaborate on why they do that and how they were raised because those 10 year old kids are also 40 year old adults somewhere in the stands that were those 10 year old kids yeah so i think it's just a way of life for philly like that's just how philly philly's a tough like you hear it when free agents come to Philly all the time from for the Eagles and the Six. Philly's a tough place to play. They love you when you're doing great, and they hate you right. when you're doing bad. But, but
0: but, do you think that the referee abuse happens? I wouldn't say it's abuse. Well, sure it is. A 10-year-old kid yelling, "referee, Ref, you suck, and starting a chant is 100% abuse. It's verbal abuse.
1: It's just, I think, at the professional level. Now, these are professional referees. Not youth referees, right? But but th- that's the problem, though. We don't know where the line is. We don't know the difference.
0: Who is there to teach that kid that line is there? Because the same knucklehead parent that's yelling down on the sideline also feels that it's appropriate to do it on Saturday morning at their kid's game.
1: Yeah, um that's true. <laughs> I just, I, like, right. I mean, you're right. You're right to a certain extent. Like people need to understand where the line is. Um. But I think that at the professional level, if you're gonna be a professional referee, you're gonna to have to be able to withstand these large crowds. I mean if you're gonna do it, at the professional
0: body, level, at the professional level, I don't think referees are are getting yelled at the way that soccer referees are in any other sport No right like the thing that when the Super Bowl happened or whatever, nobody like nobody went after the referee like that bad like or at really at all right like nobody rushed the referee nobody cursed at him nobody got in his face nobody touched him, nobody did any of that stuff in basketball it doesn't really happen either right you also have a more you have a more severe consequence in basketball and i pro-
1: I think football too right can't you get a flag for for that in college you can um you can in the nfl but i'm and in, in basketball, you
0: can get a technical foul, yeah, as a coach, right, or or as a player for abu- for verbal abuse too. Like those are the things that sometimes in soccer we still haven't figured out. Like we 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 criticize the VAR, and and to a certain extent, I do as well, because it 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 taints the the essence of the game, right? It taints the idea of the human error it's Still, not 100% clear how the VAR works half the time. I don't really understand it. Man, half the time they don't even use that thing, right? But that's my point. But and, and I'm not saying that there hasn't been elements of corruption in the past in soccer, clearly proven in Italy, right? In Brazil, it's been proven like as within the last few years. But but this idea of like just because you don't understand, like I looked at my wife and I was like. That was an offside. Like it wasn't that hard to understand. The problem is, is you don't understand the rules, so you just start yelling for no whatever reason.
1: I mean, hey, listen. I've also been on the other side of it, where I made some bad calls against Ten West CFC, and beers started hitting the field. <laughs> yeah, but I, again, I just I, I get it. I mean, again, when it's a pro team. And you're not like, again, when you're at a youth game, you're invested in it because it's your kid. I don't, there's not too many people showing up to youth games, cheering without no. a personal, without some type of personal relationship there. When you're at a professional game, you don't have those professional relationships. This is your form of entertainment, and I, I think that's I think that's what it takes place. Yeah, but the kids—that's the part that
0: drives me nuts—is because then you end up because I've been on the other side of it as a referee. What do you want to get Alex on here and tell them they got to have a family section? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, What I'm saying is that, like, as a as a as a former referee, I've been on the I've been on the games where a kid will make a gesture to the referee, or may, or the way that they react to the referees because they saw it on TV.
1: Right, so like it all starts with the it'll it'll start with the players too. Because if you're saying the same thing about the fans, you gotta say the same thing about a player. Oh, because, I don't I don't disagree with you. Because if if I don't disagree I, with you, if I'm a union fan and every time there's a card, I know two players that are immediately going up into the referee's face and arguing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I, so you I, gotta I have
1: the same expectation. If that's gonna be the expectation, you gotta have the same expectation for a fan. A kid as a fan and a kid watching a player right because if my kid's favorite player is uh jose martinez yeah well one if my kid starts going out and slide tackling kids like he'd be slide tackling, we're gonna end up with a lot of red cards and that's gonna be a discussion we gotta have and if my kid plays super physical in the midfield and gets fouls called on him, and it goes up to the referee's face and starts arguing we're gonna have another conversation because they're never going to be able to survive in the depth that way. But again, that's the difference between being a youth player, youth referee, and being a professional player. Because there's more leeway, there's more understanding. It's part of the game. Yeah, I I, I just, that the the fact that the kids were doing it really bothered me. I mean, you could have that same argument in school, like with schools and work, the same thing, Right. You show up late to school. You're probably gonna show up late to work, right? You should show up on time to school. All you do if you miss school, you get a tardy. If you miss work, what happens? You get fired.
0: Yeah, but no, for sure. But 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 when you don't know show up, but when when you're at work, when you're working, no one's in there yelling at you that you suck. Well, maybe some people are.
1: <laughs> um,
0: i you know I mean, maybe you've been yelled at before in a meeting or something. But
1: but I mean, if you're a referee, you're working though, right? That's my point though. Why why do you why do you have to subject yourself to people yelling at you while you're working? If you're an athlete and your team is down 7-0, people are going to leave, right? Yeah. That's just a nice that's just a nice way of telling you you suck.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I believe me, I don't I don't agree with the fact that I don't agree with the fact that fans should be like there's a difference between Joe between the idea that the fandom and you wanting to like do a chant or, or worst case scenario, you boo, right? You boo or you leave the field, right? So the idea of like throwing things at people, I don't think you should throw, throw things at people
1: no matter what. I think sometimes a guy needs a beer thrown around his head.
0: No, they, <laughs> no, because no, you know, why not? Because the reality is, is if, if, if you, are, if you know that much more, if you're that much better than you would have been on that field. I mean, hey, listen. And the reality is, is you're probably not good enough to be on that field. And I'm not talking about you, but like I'm just saying, Jen and Jen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll go to try. I'll give it in shape. <laughs> we talked. We've had this conversation. You don't want to run.
1: I don't. There you go. So that, that done. Uh, Substitution <laughs> at, at the 85th minute. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, 11 minute, 11 minute uh, extra time period. You know. Like <laughs> Go, me out. <laughs> Jim, what are you doing? <laughs> but but realistically, that's my point. Like, I just feel like in in believe me, I'm the person that yells at the referee, or not yells at the referee. Sorry, I'm the one yeah, you that you do.
1: It. Yeah, you do. You admitted it on the podcast.
0: No, no, no. I'm the one that's sitting in my TV and yelling at the TV, but I'm doing that in my house.
1: I don't know, man. I I, I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time. We're going to find ourselves,
0: I think if we keep going down this path where we don't try to correct it, too many people are just not going to put up with the abuse anymore. And then, like again, those little kids feel like that's acceptable, so then they they translate it in their minds. At some point, you do it long enough, you become unconsciously competent at it. Um,
1: I mean, it's the responsibility... It, it, it's the responsibility of the parent. The is parent that's the also sitting
0: next to the kid, yelling at the same, yelling the same thing.
1: Right, but it's the responsibility of the parent to teach the kid the difference between right and wrong. Right. So yeah. the parent has to say, "Hey, we did this, but you got to go respect your seventeen-year-old referee at your game. You're not going to sit there and yell at him. Right, but this is also the same parent that's going
0: to either hop a fence or hop a board in an indoor game, or the coach that's going to. Get in a referee's face at a football tournament because those are parents too. And, and, this is, and I will, I will a hundred percent admit to the fact that I've been the person that's yelled at a referee before, and I've and I work at it every day to make sure that any game that I step forward, foot foot on, I don't have that reaction anymore. And I feel like this last year I've been a lot better at it.
1: Um, I mean, my parents will tell you I almost pulled my hair out this weekend. It. like
0: i just i don't do it any like i just i just let it go because ultimately a i know it's not going to change if it becomes a safety thing that's the only thing I'll, I'll 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 speak up on but lately i don't i don't talk about anything else with the referee yeah because, no i, I agree nothing's I mean, going to change and if i want if i want to set the right example like it's hard for me to sit, sit there in a parent meeting and say don't yell at the referees but i'm sitting there yelling at the referee right so i've learned that it becomes one of those things where you're going to have to show that by example. So if you want that to happen, then you're not going to be able to do it anymore.
1: No, I agree. I mean, I'm the same person that is going to sit there at a union game and yell out, ref, you suck. I will admit it. I agree. I am guilty. And Tope can look over and say, yes, he'd be heckling people. However, I'm the same person that will respect the referee, even if they make a bad call and I may show it by just pulling my hair out. All right. You gotta, so, you, gotta, you gotta you gotta you gotta understand it too. Okay. All right. So
0: here's your here's your uh here's your moral question of the day. So you take your team to a Philadelphia Union game. Yep.
1: You put them all on a bus. Yep. So say, let's just say for
0: the for the sake of the argument, you put them on a bus. Permission find all, all that other stuff.
1: There's other adults there, right? Safe sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, every,
0: yeah. every everything's good. But ultimately you're you're the chaperone. The okay. chaper, right. You take them to a Philadelphia Union game. Okay, And you end up doing that. Right Refuge now. This up. is now. Yeah. Yeah. Doing the ref. You suck. Everything else. You get on the bus. Right. And you have a game the next day. Yep. Right. And now let's just say you have six players on your bench and six. Play- somebody makes a bad call. You drop your head because you don't say that to the referees and you just drop your head or you look visibly, your body language says you're upset with the call, but you're not going to verbally do anything about it. Your bench
1: in that moment starts going, ref, you suck, ref, you suck. Same thing I do before I even took them to the game and they say that kind of, well, they don't say ref, you suck, but they say, come on, ref, and they start to get up and there's something that they think is a call. What
0: if they start chanting that the night before when you do it, they do it with you? Sit
1: down. And I explain to them the difference. Okay. Same thing I I do now. I've had it happen where kids get up and they're like, oh, ref, sit down and shut up. (laughs) Those are literally my words because you're not about to say and heckle this ref and I don't get a call the rest of the game that's fine i we just know how we all know how youth reps operate no i i get it i just if you I, get a call I, I get a call you get a call i get a call yeah i just but if you get a call we know how ref op, youth reps operate yeah if you get a call and i argue that call i'm not getting that makeup call
0: yeah ever Listen, I Never. just I, know, I,
1: we, we, we've, we've seen that happen. We yeah, have. But I'm I just not getting my call.
0: I think I think that there's room for us to improve on how we it's either that or, or again, I think it's an and to me it's a it's a youth
1: soccer club. Well, uh well I think there's it, room for all of us to improve because no, but
0: I think there's a youth soccer club issue that like the parent education from a from a US soccer perspective doesn't exist really, realistically, it doesn't it? Well, so, the rules change, and they
1: educate the referees. They don't tell us, <laughs> right? Well, no, for sure. Like this is a systemic issue with it, but but I think that's the is. rules change. And we're sitting there like, I thought I understood the rule, yeah. But the way you interpret the rule and the way I interpret the rule are two different things, yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's a, it's a systemic issue, um. Because I truly don't understand the whole referee getting kicked with the ball rule. Our kids don't understand it because we'll have possession, we'll kick the ball. The team in possession, the referee possession does a away. drop ball, and then our kids will kick the ball away. No, the team gets the no. You get the ball back. i yeah, But our kids don't understand because on a drop ball, what are you used to doing in a drop ball? What have you always done in a drop ball? Drop balls don't exist anymore. Contestant so drop ball, contestant drop balls don't exist anymore. But I'm saying anymore, but the kids that are 13, 14 years old. Where were no, they I no, used,
0: I get it. But then but, what are they always but, used to do it in a drop ball. Right, but then that's your job as a coach to
1: teach them that. What if you have a director that doesn't want you to stop practice to work on uh, set plays and restarts? Teach it within the game. Well, if I only one drop ball and I turn it over. And teach it within your scrimmage at your practice get a new technical director
0: <laughs> i don't know i don't know the answer to that question there you go i haven't i haven't i haven't i haven't been told what i am I am or not allowed to do a practice in a long time so i'm not sure uh, okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i'm, I'm uh, that's what you say it's, it's just a systemic issue yeah
0: no that's fair and again we can we can have this conversation for for days on and but um all right, but I do want to move on to uh to something that that doesn't bring me a lot of joy. Um which is FIFA's The Best Awards. Oh yeah. Um they were given out on February 27th on Tuesday. Oh sorry, Monday. They were given out on Monday. Um Argentina sweeping uh going 4-4-4 four four on their on their categories. Um so Lionel Messi, and this is, and just for for that so doesn't know, this is this is voted on by the coaches of every national team and the captains of every national team. The yeah, captains, the captains of every national team, and the coaches of every national team vote for if El your Messi.
1: national team has a coach. If your national team has a coach, because um, we had a Anthony Hudson, he is not our coach. I <laughs> would um, he say he's not the coach.
0: Um, so Lionel Messi wins uh, FIFA Best Men's Player um, by eight points ahead of Kylian Mbappe. Uh, goalkeeper won by Emiliano Martinez, six points ahead of Courtois. Coach, uh, Lionel Scaloni, 11 points ahead of Ancelotti. Best Women's Player, Alexia Putellas from Spain uh by a large margin over Alex Morgan and Beth Mead. Uh women's goalkeeper Mary Earps um from England. And then uh Serena Wegman um by by a long shot there uh the England women's national team coach. Then the FIFA Puska's award um was given to Marcin Oleski. um from the amputee football uh, club of uh, what is it called Uh, Warta Poznan Um, great goal if you haven't seen it look him up Marcin Oleski Uh, the FIFA Fair Play Award uh, was given out to um, Luca Lacocheville say it again Luca Lokoshvili, <laughs> Lokoshvili, 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 yeah, Lokoshvili, twenty-four-year-old Georgia, uh, plays at Wolfsberger AC, uh, in the Austrian league, um, from Georgia, like the country, right? From Georgia, the country, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. he, uh, um, his teammate, um george tagles um he was um actually sorry he was in the playing different team at the time so it wasn't it was his it was his not his teammate his okay. is the other team um he was had swallowed his tongue uh after he got hit in the head um and uh he went in and cleared his airway um and then he was treated at a hospital so yeah yeah What's up? swallow your tongue. Yeah. Special award uh goes out to Pele, of course, and the FIFA fan award to the Argentinian fans for making the World Cup lively. So, USA.
2: Um
0: yeah, starting 11 um you know, Lionel Messi in the starting 11 as a forward. So tell me if you would like this team. Alright, so Courtois on the goal. It's a, it's an interesting formation. It's a three three four. <laughs> you know what you ever play a three three
1: four doing? Yeah, I'm trying to score goals. Uh
0: so courtois on the goal, Van Dyke, Hakimi, and Cancelo. Hakimi may not be playing much longer after the what came out today. Uh if you don't know, look it up. He's accused of rape. Um well midfielders. Um, midfielders, uh, Casemiro, De Bruyne, and Modric. Casemiro been doing a lot of running in that
1: game. <laughs> he does a lot of running anyway.
0: But that's it. and then the forwards, uh, Mbappe, Messi, Big Ben's, and Erling.
1: Big Ben's,
0: look at you, Ray Hudson. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine you you go up against a uh, a starting if you're the back four of a team, you're going up against Holland. Benzema Mbappe and Messi it might have to be a back seven
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah realistically because you need two players for Mbappe you probably need three players for (laughs) yeah for Benz Holland to win to challenge for the ball and to win the second ball (laughs) yeah so you're already up to five you still got Messi and who's the other player No, and then behind that is Modric and LeBron. Oh, yeah. Those are your four. And then, yeah. And then you got to have a player playing like a free safety looking for any through ball. Yeah. Um, I'll beat him. The the women start
0: uh, top 11. uh, Christiana Endler uh, from Chile. um, And the goal, Lucy Bronze, Leon, Wendy Renard, who announced that she's no longer going to be playing in the um, French national team. uh, And Leah Williamson in the back line. Uh, in the midfield, Lena Oberford, uh, Alexia Boteas, and uh, Kara Walsh. And the forward, Sam Kerr, Beth Mead, and Alex Morgan. So pretty cool stuff. Sam Kerr. Sam Kerr. Cover of FIFA. Ah, uh, that's right. All right. Player of the match. You got a player of the match, Jordan?
1: Player of the match. Team I Got Sport, man. Shout out oh. to the Team I Got Sport that sport nice the engineers yeah I think everybody's thanking them yeah we appreciate you guys that's right um I think the people that work hard from the club perspective got a week off or maybe it was a really stressful week there was stressful depending on what they needed to do some people probably took the week off and said oh yeah we can't do anything I'm chilling stressful and some people were probably like lost 30 pounds just by like sweating bullets <laughs> profusely yes um yeah, it was tough. i was one of those people that were sweating bullets but shout out to rafael for forget me up on god soccer for the tournament oh, i forgot to shout out the beginning rafael rafael man rafael from god sport man killed it so uh yeah god sport man getting us back up and running because we need you and you need us <laughs> we need each other <laughs> oh, our partnership works so well. That's funny. That's good.
0: Um, right, my player of the match goes out to Julian Carranza Julian, you're Argentinian. Yeah, man. Primo. Yeah, man. Uh, my wife suggested that uh, the song "Muchachos" comes in uh, whenever he scores a goal. You know, I don't know that song. That's a uh, that's the Argentina uh, World Cup song right there. Get that. Get that three up. Yeah, get that three up. Yeah. <laughs> Got one for you. Uh, so that's my player of the match. Um, all right. Uh, on this day in history, and a fitting on this day in history, March third, nineteen eighty-three. Bristol Rovers manager Bobby Bobby Gold find himself two hundred pounds for his comments made to the referee in the defeat in Bradford City the previous month.
1: Yeah, that's probably a lot back in eighty-three. Yeah, man, but there you go, man. That's accountability right there, sir. Who would he pay a fine to himself? <laughs> this, this, the club, I guess. I don't know. He gave the club two hundred pounds. He bought all his buddies a beer at the bar, and that, that's what he paid the fine to. Bobby Gold, man. That's funny. He probably paid it. He probably bought everybody a beer. He said, "I'm sorry." Bob probably the, brought, bought the referee a beer, and he probably bought himself a beer. So, Bobby Gold, man. Bobby got some gold. <laughs>
0: uh fair play of the week. Uh, my Fair Play of the Week goes out to um, KP, Mike B, and you. Oh. <laughs> that's it. That's all I'm going to say. That's all you got to say. Don't say I anything think, else. I, I think you guys know why. Yeah. Uh, but specifically to KP just for uh, for
1: for being a f- fantastic coach to work with. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm going to tell you who my fair play of the week is not going to <laughs> I'm looking at it. I'm looking at a tournament schedule. Oh okay. boy. No, I want you to hear this out. Not AK, right? Not AK. No. Okay, good. And in a world that this would be great, this also sucks. Okay. There's a team that plays at 920 AM. Their mm-hmm. second game isn't until 640 PM. Same day. Nine twenty AM? And then six forty PM. Okay. What age? You seventeen. So not bad. No, that, that makes sense actually from a recovery perspective. Well, yeah, unless you unless you play at 9 20 and play at 240. Or play at 240 and play at 640. But again, not arguing. Okay. My next game, which will be Sunday, is potentially at 240 or 4 o'clock. Wow. And if I win my 240 game, I don't play again until 640 on a Sunday night. Where is this? Plus, I got to drive. Where is this happening? Uh, Loudon area. You going to a tournament over there? I am not. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I personally am not. Oh, okay. I personally know someone that is. Yeah. You personally know someone that is also going and playing in the top bracket of this tournament. Ooh, okay. Fun. Um who kind of has a the weak side of the schedule. Where they play at 120, 640, 8, and then 240.
0: Okay. I mean, it is what it is, man. It's not play.
1: They're boys teams. Um, and I think you can figure out
0: the rest. Seventeen boys, I think you I think I think the bigger gap the better
1: from a recovery standpoint. Absolutely. I, I couldn't disagree. But like what am I supposed to do for all that time? Yeah, figure it out. Business from colleges. Um all right. Yeah, what time at? It's eight <laughs> o'clock at night. Do you have no. a fair play
0: of the week or no? Oh
1: uh, yeah, I do have a fair play of the week. Um let's see fair play of the week my fair play of the week to uh hilton bus service transport my kids up to a basketball game yesterday
0: there you go
1: shout out to the the team that asked for us to stay longer to support their kids because they really appreciate it st louis women's college basketball i think they're the billikens had a coach directly come up to us and say hey can you guys stay for our game so shout out to Hilton for getting us there. And then shout out Did to you St. Stay? Louis. No, man. Bus <laughs> shortage. You can't stay any. Field trips are here and here. You got to leave at nine and be back by two. Okay. There is no shortcuts on this day of history. In this day of history. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. yeah, shout out to, to Hilton, man. Okay. All right. Well, good. Well.
0: Um. hopefully by next week we'll be able to give you or I'll be able to give you a recap of the uh, of the first play day with Odessa actually two two scrimmages by next week uh, we'll have two games in or three games in by next week so be fun well, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at de soccer podcast thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot